the cowardice of them being like, we don't want to be associated with this. This is too creepy. And then it makes money. They're like, we, we made that. Yeah. Please, please associate it with us. We, uh, this is us. We, we made the thing you like. Greetings, dear listeners, and a very warm welcome to another episode of Fans About Films. It has been a while since the last English-speaking episode, but now we are here. I am your host, Lasse Vogt, as always, and uh, with me is a new guest with a very special topic. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Morgan, Morgan Walsh. Most people will know me as my Twitter handle, Mrs. Mo. Where does that name come from, exactly? There was times when I was um, a little kid where my parents or my grandparents would call me Little Miss Morgan. So it's kind of like a shortened version of that. That's awesome. <laughs> Congrats to a really cool nickname. <laughs> this came to be uh, because I'm, uh, I've been following you on Twitter for a while now. Uh, I hope this doesn't sound too creepy, but I mean, that's Twitter for to follow other people. <laughs> yeah, it's not creepy at all. Okay, thank you, if you say so. And um, the the thing about you is that you are really big into animation. Uh, yes, definitely. One of my biggest passions. Like, film in general is a huge passion for me, but animation is especially a huge topic that I'm into. Well, uh, we both are. I think you even a little bit more than me. And so I approached you with this topic, which I thought this would actually make for a really compelling episode in a way and the topic is as you've probably already guessed from the title dear listeners it's we want to talk about uh, animated movies or shows which are pretty much for adults only now i'm not talking about porn necessarily i'm (laughs) i'm talking about any kind of animation uh, which isn't suitable for kids which is heavy enough in drama or violence or even sex which just you know kids probably shouldn't see and thus uh, this episode was born in a way can you uh, morgan can you tell us what was the first time you stumbled upon animation which you thought okay this is for a more mature audience than, than i'm used to Well, I guess it sort of depends on your personal definition of what adult animation is. My first experience with something that was a bit more for like older children or was more more mature compared to what I usually watched was when on the last day of school back in like fourth grade, um, a friend of mine brought in Spirited Away for everybody to watch. (laughs) (laughs) And... And that's a pretty different movie compared to the rest of stuff we would bring in, like a Disney movie or a DreamWorks movie or whatever. And, and, and like, a kid can still watch it, but it has a much slower pace and a less concrete plot. It has a lot of themes that only, adult can really, uh, only an adult can appreciate when they're older. And, and like, even at that age, I, I knew that. It felt different compared to everything I was exposed to and 
I, I, I didn't even know what anime was at the time. So that, that it really was, it really was something special for me. Yeah, when I stumbled upon that, uh, I also knew that it was uh, quite different. I think my mother rented it from the video store. Back then there were video stores actually with DVDs. Now they're pretty much extinct. <laughs> sad uh, but it's actually rated zero in germany which is insane because it's you know quite heavy on scary imagery and intense moments and it's uh, a little bit abstract so i don't know what the um here uh, what the um, fsk which is the, the german mpaa basically what they were thinking i guess they were just thinking oh it's 2d animated it's for babies <laughs> but the other instant with like a movie that actually is more for an adult in that maybe maybe we, children should wait till they're like teenagers to watch it um that was watership down <laughs> so in early youtube there used to be way less of a pressure when it came to copyright people used to upload movies whenever they wanted as long as they were divided up into parts so you would have a movie that's like in part one part two part three and each part would be like 10 minutes long. <laughs> and that era of the internet is how I found a lot of animated films I didn't already own as a child. Like, uh, that that's how I discovered Secret of Nim, uh, The Prince of Egypt, Roger Rabbit, all that stuff. And then I found out about Watership Down through an AMV somebody made. And it was like a music video that was mainly focused on all the violent parts with the gore and all that. And I hate it when people act like that's all there is to the movie or they don't talk about anything else. But at the time, I was like, whoa, what is this? I didn't even know animated films could have this. I have to, I have to watch this. I have to look into it. I need to know what it is. And then I did. And then I remember having a Watership Down phase for a couple of months. And, and like to this day, it's... It's, it's still one of my favorite stories, mainly the book, but I, I still love the movie very much. Yeah, uh, I, I came across that story in audio play form uh, in, in, a, in a German version, and it certainly was much much darker than, than most stuff we had listened to, but at that point I already was a little older, and then we also watched the movie, and yeah, it's, it is quite disturbing. I don't think actually I watched it again after that not because i was traumatized or anything it was just kind of like okay now i've seen this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah whenever somebody mentions like oh inappropriate or movies which scarred children back in the day or whatever they always throw the same clips from that movie yeah i both love and hate videos like that because um i really love traumatizing kids movies <laughs> Uh, they, I feed off of them. They make me grow stronger. <laughs> but at the same time, I can't stand it when there's a frickin' announcer voice and he's like, Top 10 movies that scarred children. What were they thinking? Even even worse, I, I have a much worse voice for you in terms of like a top 10 lists on YouTube. Number 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I think those for... A lot of kids, like even kids which are much older than us now, uh, that that specific movie is a a big turning point in terms of animated media. I guess in a way that you could say that Spirited Away is is like the 
spiritual successor to that movie in in, in terms of uh, you know it's it's newer and it, it's not quite as brutal but it's, it still has you know it's, it's a little bit more complex than your average movie but also it's, it's not a western movie it's clearly something made in japan and uh, i don't i don't know what the um the newer western equivalent of watership down could be because nowadays you know all of that is just so uh, anim uh, mainstream animation is just so like mainstream you know it, it's just it's just so safe mm -hmm. like it's it's very rare that you get to see something like truly scary like even like um Some Disney movies from the past at least had like that one scene, which was kind of like okay, it was a little bit more intense. Even like in the Disney uh, Renaissance, you had something like you know the villain death in Tarzan, for example, is a big one, which often comes up in top tens as well. And yeah. the you know Mufasa's death or Be Prepared from Lion King, blah blah blah. You know there there are certain there are certain elements also Hellfire from Notre Dame, but. Mm -hmm. It's oh, an unfortunate combination of words nowadays. <laughs> oh boy, off to a great start. Um, no, but the the thing about uh, animation nowadays, I, they they just now you have most of mainstream animation, which is you know suitable for kids, and then you have either you know the, the Japanese stuff, which does its own thing with anime and then occasionally in the western realms you have something that's just strictly for adults and there doesn't seem anything in between which is really weird no not really i think it boil mostly boils down to executives behind animation products they they think that there's like a certain age boundary for what kinds of animation people can enjoy so you have like um the children who like cartoons that are you know aimed towards them very child friendly uh very comedy based and then you do have animation for adults but that's when you have like the stuff that's really in your face and shocking and like whoa we're an adult cartoon yeah we can be racist um but i guess Uh, when it comes to teenagers, they just look at that and be like, well, they're too old for, like, goofy stuff, and they're not mature enough to see, like, full-on sex, even though they do already do that. Hmm. It, it, it's just, they don't care. Yeah. If they can't fit into either of these two extremes, they, they must not have an interest in an animation at all. And yeah. what they like is, what they li really like these live-action dramas and stuff. <laughs> But what I find weird is that I've been a part of cartoon fan bases, bases for years. And a lot of them are made up by teenagers. <laughs> like, it, it's teenagers who are obsessed with the Owl House right now or Infinity Train. Yeah. Yeah, they dedicate entire Twitter accounts to them and, like talk about them endlessly and and use the characters in their profile pics and they list them as their favorite shows so like they're as big as much of uh both shows as target demographic as children you actually made a really great segue there because where you find that animation which is kind of in between is actually in television nowadays um, I think the the ones which kind of got the ball started was The Simpsons, I think. 
in terms of yeah. like um, you know something kids could watch but it's also like very very funny for adults and there's you know the occasional inappropriate joke blah 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 like it's, it's always in a, in a balance and I think something like um, Rick and Morty uh, which is a much more modern cartoon kind of like took that formula and stretched it way more which is like okay this is definitely much more for teenagers and adults and uh, only like like a kid who has like very very open parents uh, can maybe watch this but it's you know just just to a point uh, because yeah it's, it's it's certainly it's certainly not very appropriate but it, and also um what actually really captures the spirit of let's have fun ad family adventure stuff but also let's scare the shit out of kids uh, the perfect example is gravity falls <laughs> yes absolutely and that mostly has a teenager fan base. Yeah. I, I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched it. I'm, I, I, I watched it when I was uh, an adult, certainly, uh, for the first time. But it's something that appeals to everybody. Like, like every age group finds something in there to enjoy it because it's just that well written. It's because the animation is so appealing, and because it has those really, really creepy, creative <laughs> moments. It's, it's, yeah. It captures everything. Absolutely. That is really a good, uh, yeah, a good balance. So, and it shows, and even you know, a show which is coming from Disney. And funny, funny enough, just a few days ago, um, Alex Hirsch uh, posted that that uh, document where he basically presented a bunch of Disney executive notes about scripts he had for Gravity Falls. And I think every with every single one of them, he, he managed to, to basically turn them down and say, yeah, no, this is ridiculous. But it, it really shows how those suits think. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And, and he still was able to... Uh, and it was just... The funny thing is, of all those notes just considered kind of like raunchy stuff or something that was in any way slightly hinting at you know, uh, queer stuff. <laughs> Which is, like, you know, be it like, oh, this, this might be a little bit homoerotic or whatever, like whatever it could be. And and they, I saw no notes about this uh, Illuminati pyramid man, uh, like su sucking teeth out of a deer and, and offering yeah. it as a gift to a boy. <laughs> we literally have a man hit in the head with an ax and slowly dying. Yes! Yeah, that's a great example. Absolutely, it's just why? Like, I don't get it. It's always like, oh yeah, violence. That's fine, but you know, it's it's like you you have certain Disney movies with like incredibly high body count, uh, be it <laughs> be it Atlantis or Mulan, and you know, when just oh no 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 no, but but we can't have anything that like is is, is remotely in terms of like oh. Uh, uh, sexuality other than straight or whatever and oh no yeah and, and even like uh, sexuality in general like in terms of like i mean all of those uh, straight uh relationships we have in disney movies are very platonic but but still a kiss is a very intimate thing and and they they are just fine to to show that stuff and whatever that's that's a whole other topic and it's it's infuriating and stupid yeah. and hypocritical mm -hmm. <laughs> You can make an entire episode based off of that if you wanted to. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> that, that might be that might be a discussion for another time. But um, let's get back to adult animation. I was I was interested in because uh, as we see, this mixture 
clearly can work and and it's funny that they do it in television but not in uh you know in in, in cinematic form which, which kind of makes sense because you know it's it's on television blah 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 it's it's a little bit uh, less of a risk and all of that than than a big movie where you have to do big marketing for and uh, people have to actually go in and pay it but it's really it's really interesting that they don't release you know more adult animation like you, you had something like a uh, waltz or walk to with bashir what was that a uh, waltz with bashir yes thank you um which is certainly something i mean and that was also like something like you know considered for awards and all of that and mm -hmm. I, I don't know how it did box office wise but it was certainly a movie that a lot of people talked about there's a couple uh movies that just came out that kind of have the same approach um flea uh summit of the gods and apollo 12 and a half i, I would say that those bridge the gap between like teenager and adult animation yeah but how many of those were theatrical i'm pretty sure some of them got released in theaters just on a smaller scale oh okay i'm not entirely sure but i i don't remember most of them being advertised as like a netflix original or anything like that i know apollo is on netflix so mm -hmm. that might have been an original but maybe not yeah i'm not quite sure if it was just picked up or whatever but I, I certainly saw uh, advertising for it. It's quite interesting what, when it's like something looks maybe like a little bit more adult or something that is not you know, based on an IP or whatever. Uh, it's the same with live action movies nowadays, which that stuff just doesn't get mm -hmm. seen as much. Like uh, kind of like the underdog is something like Cartoon Saloon, where they yeah. um, it's certainly something like they have much more of an artistic approach, but it's still something that kids can grasp, kids can watch. Uh, but also it's interesting for adults especially for adults who are interested in animation and kind of like abstract storytelling elements in a way but those movies never go too far in terms of scary imagery even though like in the in, in the secret of Kells, there was one shot which scared the bejesus out of me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but those are really especially something like wolf walkers which came mm -hmm. out like one or two years ago which is just an amazing amazing movie and, and clearly should have gotten all the awards attention uh, other movies got because it was just so fantastic with basically no flaws in my opinion and uh, have you seen it oh uh, yeah i love that movie oh, so, I, I yeah i think it's their best so far i think so too i cried like six times <laughs> yeah i i don't usually cry during movies because i don't know i think i'm pretty experienced with emotional moments um but it was definitely really intense for me there was like um there was plenty of moments where it was like oh oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's absolutely amazing and but you know that that's not adult animation and uh, as we said and we were only going to talk about this briefly because um uh, anime movies uh, certainly have always been you know there's something that that little kids can watch and most of most of the stuff which comes out in anime at least in terms of like teenager stuff clearly meant for for teens like like the tv stuff and then you have certain movies and, and shows which are uh, much more adult and brutal and all of that and a, a big example also a lot of people bring up in terms of oh this is not in not appropriate for children blah 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 but it's it's kind of it kind of has like a loose mpaa staple or whatever is this grave of the fireflies from 1988 mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, 
and that one is yeah it's clearly not meant for children and it's just so yeah it's a little graphic but it's mostly just so depressing i watched it once when a friend showed it to me and i never want to watch it again i have seen it multiple times because i'm a weird person who loves disturbing cinema (laughs) so so even though it's the movie that that has made me cry the most I I just continue watching it whenever I feel like it because I I don't know I like appreciating the filmmaking oh, yeah. even if it makes me sad like I think that outrules my desire not to be sad. That's that's absolutely fine. Um, in in terms of movies which came out more recently, um, and we we we, we talked about uh, this beforehand. I even showed you a clip of it. Was the Back then, when Robert Zemeckis thought movies would look like Polar Express from now on. Mm. And uh, when he was in his motion capture phase, and uh, he did, I mean, Polar Express, when it's like, okay, it's based on a, on a kid's book and it's actually, you know, made for families and it, you know, it's, it's sufficient in that regard. It's only creepy in terms of the animation, uh, un, you know, un, unintentionally so. But with Beowulf in 2007, he was just hey let's make this poem that every kid in school has to read and everybody mm-hmm. finds boring let's turn it into an entertaining adventure movie i guess it, it's kind of like you know it kind of has like the game of thrones tone a little bit before that was even a thing and it is a a failure but it, it's at least something you can admire in terms of like the work that was put into all of it and it's it's i watched all of the behind the scenes stuff for beowulf and one of some of like like the funniest and most embarrassing shit i've ever seen is when robert zemeckis um basically collects all the actors because it's it's a huge cast it's ray winstone it's anthony hopkins robin wright penn uh, john markovich is in it crispin glover too and they he basically um tours from around the, the motion capture stage and it shows them like uh, how this thing is done and then he shows them like okay this is how you will interact with things and you can see all of those actors standing around and they have no idea what he's talking about <laughs> they're just so taken aback by like what kind of technology is this and all of that like they're, they're very very bewildered by okay this is uh, this is how we're gonna make this movie okay <laughs> It's really quite mm. uh, telling. Like some of the, like uh, Anthony Hopkins certainly looks like you know they all look interested uh, to an extent, but they also look a little bit confused. <laughs> yeah, I think the fact that the technology was so new at the time and and doing movies entirely out of motion capture was a new idea. I think that might have added to the awkward performances because you have a lot of these actors who don't know how any of this works or are inexperienced with this technology and they're just like i'm trying my best yeah i i I don't know if my character is gonna look natural or fluid or not creepy but you know i'm trying i'm going at it yeah yeah it's (laughs) it, it certainly has that effect they just get literally swarmed by the effects and and every like like the performances don't quite come through and the weird thing with the sound mix too and it, that's the case with all of those movies with all of those robots and makers motion capture movies it seems like they forget to add atmospheric sounds in scenes and so you have like whole dialogue scenes where you just hear people's voices and nothing else 
like like sometimes when we move you hear like steps or whatever but you don't hear like you don't hear wind rustling you don't hear like people talking when we're in the hall whatever it's really strange how they just seem to forget oh yeah this needs like some 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 atmospheric sounds or like looping in the background or whatever it's really strange and so so you've you've i found myself when i watched beowulf or later um what was it? Uh, Christmas Carol, which is much better, by the way, um, with Jim Carrey. Mm. Um, uh, when I watch those movies, whenever like a quiet scene started, I just keep hitting the remote and just like louder, louder. What I, I can't understand it. And then it just you know there's a jump scare or whatever, and then music blasts, and you're like ah, turn it down again. It's so weird how it, it it's so weirdly mixed, and, and I don't quite understand it. Yeah, I I definitely see the problem with that. The Zemeckis Christmas Carol is kind of a guilty pleasure for me mm. because it's it's definitely awkward in terms of a lot of the animation and it has a lot of 3D gimmicky bullshit. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like the closest thing I have to a, a version of a, Chris, a Christmas Carol that's a full-on horror movie, you know? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I mean, like the, my yeah. favorite version is the Muppets Christmas Carol, but that one isn't that yeah. scary. <laughs> that, that's the best version. I for real so it's kind of mixed with how they do it but i feel like this is one it's one of the few adaptations that fully take advantage of the fact that they're ghosts <laughs> and a lot of creepy imagery is in it and a lot of it isn't the best S some of it is kind of you know awkward like when he's being chased by the ghost of christmas future uh... and he shrinks that part is cringe yeah but you know there, there's parts of it's like genuinely like kind of haunting like like the ghost of Christmas present slowly dying. Oh god. That's my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but it's really over the top and um, yeah. and like like the idea of Jim Carrey playing all of the versions of a ghost is, is kind of clever and they certainly take advantage of uh, technology in a way where like, like sometimes it looks in unintentionally creepy and sometimes it looks cartoony enough where you can get past it and there's no doubt that in terms of like music and visuals it's, it's certainly a, a nice looking movie very Christmassy and all of that that kind of leads me to another point I feel like motion capture would have been able to flourish more if they were used in animated horror movies like can you like can you imagine that kind of technology being used for something that's intentionally supposed to be creepy yes yes you can see that in parts of christmas carol and also um in the i don't know i don't quite know how they did it but it's certainly it's part motion capture in monster house yeah yeah well in monster house is the monster house uh the character designs are a lot more stylized they're a lot more cartoony yeah yeah and i feel like that eases the uncanny valley a bit. There's still parts where I'm like, mm, but you know, it's 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 a lot better. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's <laughs> certainly like a, a really really uh, frightening horror movie, which just you know slightly is kind of appropriate for kids, but it, it's certainly quite intense. Yeah, it, it's definitely not like like uh, levels of creepy kids movie, but you know, it, it's pretty good in that area you know it, it it definitely has a lot of stuff that might be much for a few children but you know that's cool yeah absolutely it's cool and that also was a movie which got around a lot like a lot of people talked about i think it was animated for an academy award too i'm not quite sure but it was kind of like you know i, I guess not much was out at the time so <laughs> uh you know yeah. that, that sometimes happens when just something niche gets uh, uh nominated just because the 
the um, competition isn't that strong. <laughs> yeah. That was always a thing during, like, the 2000s for the best animated film category. You would always have, like, the big ones, like the stuff from Disney and Pixar and, like, Ghibli and DreamWorks. And then because they couldn't fill the entire category, there would just be, like, something else that's, like, not really Academy-level stuff, but they, they just needed to fill in space. So you then you have, like, Shark Tale or, like, the Polar Express, and it's, like, or Happy Feet, and it's, like, w what is this doing here? But, yeah, but funny thing, like, Happy Feet actually won when it was nominated. Yeah, that was weird. But but that was, that was, that's also a great example, actually, of a movie which... And it's really fun because I avoided it for the longest time, like the plague, because it was just in the trailers they only showed penguins singing and dancing, and it was during the time where cinema just abused penguins, <laughs> where it's just penguins were everywhere, and I was sick of them. Mm -hmm. Where you had like those those Morgan Freeman narrated documentaries, you had um, Surfs Up, which was like yeah. right around the same time, which is of course a different approach, as I figured mm -hmm. out later. But Happy Feet was just so big, and then i stumbled upon a review which mentioned certain themes of a movie and i was like okay this sounds much more interesting then i also figured out oh, okay it's uh, made by the guy who did <laughs> mad max so i i gave it a watch and i was really pleasantly yeah. surprised because all of the dancing stuff i couldn't care less for where it's like mm -hmm. okay this is certainly impressive but i don't like that they're just singing modern songs but it, it's it's just a weird um like like a weird clash of styles but the actual story the the religious themes of it were absolutely fascinating to me and that's what really really carries the movie and also the intense action scenes and some of like the like the horror imagery later on it's just so I, I thought this was and I think actually that's how they I think this was a movie which just fooled the studio I think they George Miller and his team they just as dailies basically they just showed like the singing dancing penguins and the, the studio was like yeah okay that's fine release it and, and they didn't know what the deeper story was <laughs> yeah in rebel taxi's review wh whose channel i highly recommend recommend he, he's <laughs> one of my favorite youtubers um he did a video on happy feet and he compared it to watership down oh with yeah some of the yeah, yeah. because like you have the conflict of uh the penguins dying because of human influence and sort of religious themes um, from an animal perspective. But um, I wish that it leaned more into that and the dancing stuff wasn't a thing at all. And I, I, <laughs> and I also feel like the plot structure is really weird. Yes. Because, because after he, beca he grows up, the plot feels like it just meanders. Yeah, it's just Where walking he, from he, place to place. Yeah, he 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 meets the Adelie penguins, and then like, and then they they just do stuff together. It becomes a Robin and Williams like, show. Yeah, uh, they dance. They they get into trouble. They run away from seals, and then it takes them to like the last twenty minutes of the movie to be like, oh shit, the fish is gone. I'm banished. I have to go contact the humans and like by the time like that stuff is happening it feels really underdeveloped like it feels like that could have been the main plot him going out to contact with the humans but yeah it's you got not. a point yeah it's it's a weird movie but it's certainly some something yeah. i i would say is, is worth watching just for like it, and even like you, you might be into the dance sequences like i i just you know wasn't on a 
emotional level i think i think actually tonally the they they do a better job with it in the sequel which which isn't which isn't as strong but it's not a bad movie and um i, I think i think there tonally it's a little bit more well mixed even though i can't quite remember the story i think it's something about like oh they're closed closed in or whatever somewhere it's interesting and it's sometimes something just a few years later animal logic for the same animation house which also which did happy mm-hmm. feet and also the, the lego movie and all of that and they did a, a Zack Snyder directed animated movie mm-hmm. yep <laughs> what is it legend of the guardians uh, legend of the guardians guardians of gahool gahool yes yes i have a story with that movie oh um, don't tell <laughs> okay so when i was a little kid i I read the book series and I was a huge fan of it. It was the first like really advanced novel I ever read. Before that point I was just reading picture books and then and then I was forced to choose a more advanced book by my teachers and I was like, "Well, this one has owls on it. So I'm going <laughs> to pick this one." And then I was and then I was like, "Oh my god, this is so epic." This is like some Lord of the Rings shit but with birds and it really engaged me and and that happened around the same time I was really into Watership Down and like those kind of have a sa- similar tone to mm-hmm. them with like animals dying and ripping the shit out of each other. And and like only a year after I started reading them, uh, I saw a trailer for the movie and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> we have to see that, dad, dad, me and you, can you take me to see it? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And then I, I got the book for him, and then he read it, and he was like, we have to see that movie, you and me. I love these books. Thank you for showing them to me. And then we watched it in theaters, and at the time, I really loved it. It was totally different from the book in a lot of ways. They took a lot of liberties with the plot. Mm. But I was like, oh, my God. This is the most epic shit I've ever seen in a movie. This animation is so good, and they're fighting. But then I got older, and it really dawns on you that the plot is kind of the generic fantasy story, in a way. Yes. Yeah. The characters are a lot more bland in comparison to their book counterparts, and it does feel like a retread of Lord of the Rings, in, and I, I don't really mean that in a good way. David Wenham is in both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it still has, like, a soft place in my heart. Like, I can't bring myself not to like it, because it, it's a movie with, like, hyper-realistic owls with, like, armor and killing each other. Like, that's... It's hard for me, as a person, not to like that, in a way. Sure, I totally get that. I, another link, Hugo Weaving, too. <laughs> um, but it is uh, it is a weird... I only saw it later on on disc or whatever and i think i also own a 3d version which is really something mm. commendable it looks like a Zack snyder movie it feels like a Zack snyder movie where just like he finds pretty ways to talk about nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just so yeah. like like it, it, it's visually really interesting but it's just like like plot wise and character wise there's really not much going on yeah it, it's that that is what keeps me liking it is that compared to a lot of mainstream animated films it's definitely cinematic. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of gorgeous shots. There's times where where it really plays around with 
the imagery it's almost on the same scale of Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. with some of its shots. So that's something that's that's definitely commendable. Yeah, 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 certainly. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting movie, but it's not something and it's something that kids could watch even though it's, it's sometimes a little bit of a little bit graphic. Uh, it's even in, in Germany there's even like a there's a, a censored DVD version you can get <laughs> where they where they cut out like some of the more brutal parts. Yeah, you, you don't see the villain being uh, impaled. It's, it's just kind of like it, it cuts awkwardly and then he just falls down. That's lame. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's it's that's <laughs> incredibly lame. But uh, it's yeah, it's it's an it's, a, it's interesting and I really like the look of it, uh, the, the audio visuals and all of that. But it's like yeah, the, the characters like when the they stretch out comic relief scenes so much and they underdevelop just everything else. Mm. You could tell that um, they didn't quite know what to do with it. And uh, it's, it's, but, but it's certainly something like it, it's, it's one of the more recent examples where they try to branch out, even though it, it features talking animals, which are a staple of many animated movies for kids. Mm hmm. Uh, which which brings us uh, uh, speaking of talking animals, a uh, movie which came out a little bit after was Gorbinski's Rango, <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. one I think is much more successful in what it's trying mm -hmm. to be. Uh, definitely, like it is technically a kids movie, but I feel like adults are are the ones who truly understand what it's going for and are able to appreciate it, like. Like, it's a Western, but it also has a very surreal sense of humor. And it's almost like a stoner film, in a way. Yes, it, like especially yeah. not just adults appreciate it. A lot of weirdos do, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it has actual grit. Like, the, the character designs are, like, so beautifully ugly and everything looks dirty. Um, it, it's pretty dry and sometimes risque with a lot of its humor it has a lot of black comedy so yeah that, that's definitely something that i didn't really know what to feel about when i was a child i saw it when i was 10 years old and i i remember just being like mm, towards it i i didn't hate it i i i i didn't like it either and that's mostly because i just didn't know what to make of it. I didn't have like a frame of reference for the kind of stuff that was paying homage to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I wanted to watch it because it had like people in it I liked and it was from a filmmaker I liked. And I think I watched it when it must have been before I started film school. So it must have been still in school around like 18 years old, maybe. And mm. it is it is it is certainly something which uh, first I loved it, then I, then I was kind of weirded out by it, and then it grew on me again. Where it's like no, it's it's definitely like some jokes definitely do not work, which are just like too weird. But uh, there there are so many parts which are uh, quite wonderful. Like we do the best of their pretty much like very generic story. Like like the story itself is the most generic mm. thing about it. I, I think simple stories are totally acceptable if you really do something fresh with it. Mm -hmm. And I think Rango is a good example of the liar reveal story being presented in a way that's tolerable. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. the visuals just go so far. Yeah, but also because 
the characters feel natural. Like there's nothing forced about them. And and when it's revealed that Rango isn't really a cowboy, there's never that moment where they're like, "Why did you do that? We're never going to listen to you ever again." There, there's a shock, but yeah. it doesn't dwell overwhelming overwhelmingly. Yeah, they, they 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 focus on him after that and his uh, spiritual journey. Yeah, and. I would say that its themes go deeper than just don't lie, you know, be who you are, be true to yourself. That That's mainly the kind of moral that comes out of stories like that. Oh yeah, and also find yeah. yourself first and foremost because he just starts as somebody who likes to pretend to be somebody else, but it's like, yeah, the, the, that opening in the um, terrarium is, 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 is really mm -hmm. is really well done. Yeah, or when he comes across Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Clint Eastwood, yeah. which sadly wasn't a real Clint Eastwood, but they animated him in that way. Really, really clever and really nice scene, especially yeah. after, right afterward, when he um, talks to the, the Alfred Molina character and they just look over that scenery and you hear that piano music and it's just, ah, oh, it's so beautiful. Definitely, yeah. And it's, it's certainly a movie, like, if, if you haven't seen it out there, um, it, it's something we both recommend, we, because it's, it is it is something to behold. And that also was an underdog, which won uh, Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards. And I, I'm, I'm glad it did. Um, yeah. It, it definitely deserved it more than most of the stuff, I say, came out in 2011, because, like, there wasn't a lot going on. Wasn't Cars 2 one year? of them? Mm-hmm. I am upset that Tintin wasn't nominated because that shit slaps. That shit and absolutely slaps. But I think <laughs> they don't they don't nominate like true motion capture movies actually. I don't think any of the Robert Zemeckis stuff was nominated. Not even Polar Express. And um uh. it's I don't maybe they are they are thinking, oh this is not like truly that's it's just animated over stuff. And that's why it doesn't count. I think that's their logic. Well, that's weird because rotoscope is like the same thing. It's the equivalent for 2D animation, but that that's always been recognized as animation. Yeah, yeah. It's, maybe that's, that's something they either forgot or they overlooked. Because, I mean, like, like yeah, the whole stuff with like uh, how they shot the Disney's Alice in Wonderland. Where it was just, you know, people on sets mm -hmm. and acting out the scenes in costume. Um, and, and they did that later on. They, they did that with a f with the very first one, with with Snow White, with certain mm. sequences. So so it, it it clearly has a history, and uh, it, it's something. And, and, and Rango they even shot similar. They actually acted out all of the scenes. They filmed every scene. They just didn't use motion capture. They just basically had them on sterile sets and with like basic costuming, kind of just to make the performances more lively and to. Mm -hmm. um, Yet yeah, to have them make uh, to have them more chemistry, and then the animators have uh, a little bit better of a reference. And I actually think how they how they shot that is is, is really nice. Uh, yeah, you know the Oscars don't really know shit about animation. So. That's absolutely <laughs> true. And Nightmare Before Christmas is my favorite animated film Ooh. ever made, honestly. And it's not really an adult animated film, like. Yeah. There's tons of children who watch it every year, and it's like a staple of Disney now, and they market it every Halloween and Christmas. I do remember that, in a weird way, it is what got me into unorthodox animation. And I know it's not really the most out there thing you can watch, 
it definitely has a conventional plot and it's very accessible but my childhood was filled with Disney movies um, so on VHS we had pretty much the entire animated canon <laughs> and, and and Nightmare Before Christmas isn't a part of the main animated canon because it was released under Touchstone but naturally by association we also had that movie and compared to the main canon it, it was it was so different it it's creepy it's it has like a comically dark sense of humor uh, the songs are a bit like um, they're, they're stranger like they're very musical esque but they have that Danny Elfman flair to them yeah and it's something and, it's a yeah. story that's very very uh, simple and approachable and, and easy to grasp yeah um, but that works in its favor because it's it's pretty fairy tale like yeah, like, yeah. almost like like a twisted fairy tale it's it's kind of like a brother's grim story in a way it 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 owes a lot to Dr. Seuss mm -hmm. um, in in terms of uh, what kind of story it is I think that's something Burton actually had in mind and he later published the the original poem he wrote as a uh, children's like picture book uh, in in the style of the Grinch so it yeah. it absolutely makes sense to do that. And, and, and funnily enough, because that that wasn't even a fully blown Disney movie. That was that was Touchstone, and yeah. now it's a big staple of Disney. Yeah, Disney needs needs back off money, so you know we don't have a choice. Yeah, but when you when you watch it nowadays on Disney Plus, it just says Disney. Actually, it doesn't say Touchstone anymore. The cowardice of them being like we don't want to be associated with this this is too creepy and then it makes money they're like we we made that yeah please please associate it with us we uh, this is us we we made the thing you like <laughs> it's that, that's exactly the case yeah another great segue of this kind of morbid stop-motion movie to another much more morbid stop-motion movie which is much better suited for adults than kids is uh the the drama Married Max by Adam Elliott. Mm -hmm. Yep. That one I stumbled across also based on a review I read. And I was like, okay, yeah. this this guy who made like this this uh, Oscar winning animated short film and I watched the short film and liked it and I was like, okay, something in this style, all right. And it is a very very interesting stop motion drama with a good cast too. Uh, but but the, the voice acting isn't even that important. But it's actually a movie which could work almost without the voice acting, except for the monologues when people read uh, letters and all of that. And it's 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 very it's it's a very sad movie. It's very depressing. It's it's also depressingly funny. Um, there were certainly certain parts. It has that like an um, outsider Australia touch. Certainly, mm -hmm. it's it's really really fun. But it's it's also something that's really hard to recommend because I don't I, I haven't watched this movie with anybody else mm. yet. I only watched it alone, I think like two or three times. Because it's just so special. I'm not really well versed in Australian cinema or humor, but I I can see where it's very unique in terms of um of of its comedy. Like the character designs are very grotesque. But that serves to like heighten the quirky vibe it has, and it has a lot of black comedy, and it has like it, it's very dry. There's a lot of terrible things happening caused by terrible people, 
and it's both tragic but it, but also very funny mm-hmm. like the best way i could describe it is that it truly is a bittersweet movie yeah bittersweet yeah. is really the right word and it's so the funny thing is the, the design is so distinct that i, I haven't seen mm-hmm. anything like it before but it's still so recognizable for some reason where it's like this looks i mean it kind of like it it, it reminds you of a little bit of a twisted version of the designs they, they do on art man mm-hmm. um but uh, it's certainly like a, a similar technique but it, it's so it, it's so distinct that it's it's just okay i see this and oh yeah it's it's, it's adam elliot it's mary and max and it, that, that's really something that's really something special when a when a movie manages to do that when it's just so when it's so ingrained in your brain how it how it looks that it's you can't mistake it for anything else there's a pet peeve i have with um animation circles or like animation twitter hmm. um where anything that has sort of like an ugly art style is bashed oh. or, or you know and and that's definitely true for like a lot of adult cartoons like there there's definitely a, a lot of cartoons that are just ugly for the sake of it or to match the, the shocking humor it goes for big mouth um yeah big mouth and and it doesn't help that they don't really have good animation to begin with yeah and, and by animation i mean like the fluidity of the movement or character design or just the, yeah but I think there's like a lot of examples of styles that have ugliness to it that really that are that are beautiful in their own way. Um, yeah, I mean Rango. We mentioned Rango already. Uh, yeah, I- I'm gonna be totally self-indulgent and use uh, my favorite example of adult animation. Have Have you ever seen Pink Floyd's The Wall? Um, I haven't seen it, but I've seen uh, reviews of it, and I know what it is. It's certainly something that's on my list. Uh, yeah. So if you've been following me on like any social media platform, you 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 know that it's my favorite movie of all time. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I never shut up about it. People like literally meet me for the first time, and they're like, "Do you want to watch a movie together? You can choose the movie." And I'm like, "Can we watch Pink Floyd's The Wall? You and me, as friends, buddies, compadres." <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a live action movie throughout most of it but it has animated segments and the animation is done by Gerald Scarf Scarf yeah I'm making sure I pr- I, I pronounce that right Eva Vett or um, Scarf or Scarfe I'm also not sure yeah he's a political cartoonist and a lot of his designs are incredibly ugly because they're used to like caricature politicians or celebrities and stuff so it's used to attack them and in the wall it's used for great effect because the animated sequences are meant to visualize the mental state of the main character and he has a lot of he has a long history of people hurting him or people that he doesn't like or people that he views is everything views as everything wrong with society so they're presented as very ugly and monstrous and almost kind of deformed and that's how a lot of people work a lot of the people um we have a grasp on 
in our own heads, we, we often exaggerate them. Oh, yeah. From how they actually are. Um, because it's impossible to entirely know somebody. So just going off of our limited subjective experiences of them, we may have a very simplistic view of them. So the main character, Pink, he has like, like as a good example, uh, one of the characters in his mind is his wife. And uh, he basically ignores her and doesn't pay any attention to, it, to her very often. So she ends up cheating on him but he doesn't realize that he was being kind of an asshole. So in his mind, he sees her as a scorpion with tits who wants to bite his head off mm -hmm. and, and attract her with, uh, with her sexuality. And, and of course, mantises and scorpions, they're known for biting off the heads of their husbands. Yeah. So I feel like that's a great example of, of both animation being used to represent someone's psyche and also animation looking grotesque and disturbing with a purpose. Yeah, yeah. In a way and that enhances the story or the tone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Be being symbolic, being woven in with live action and all of that. That's certainly a very good example. Um, and something like, uh, you know, somebody like uh, Ralph Bakshi uh, comes to mm -hmm. mind who, you know, yeah. his bread and butter was adult animation. And uh, certainly, certainly something that was... Uh, very big for and and risque for the time and nowadays it's uh, um, you know it's 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 still interesting mm. it certainly has a history but it's also something that's it's kind of forgotten about in a way in certain circles at least but uh, still still is something worth mentioning um, when I when I can come out with a bad example it's mm -hmm. a um, and I only watched it recently because it was on Amazon and I heard about it. Um, when it was released in 2011 it's a 3d animated fantasy comedy uh, from denmark uh, called mm -hmm. ronald the barbarian and it is it is a you know it's clear they didn't have the biggest budget so the uh, character animation looks very simplistic there's not a lot of detail you know it's serviceable it, it's not it's not a completely like ugly movie whatever but it still looks like i don't know like, like certain certain animation like 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 animated movies people make on youtube in a way where it's kind of like where it looks like the character designs come from something they bought mm -hmm. from elsewhere yeah and it you know it's it, it's serviceable and it's it's not a, it's not a horrible movie but it's something the only joke seems to be hey this is a 3d animated movie but it's with sex jokes yeah <laughs> that's the whole point that's seemingly the whole point because we do so much of it and it's just you know it's it's of course like there, there are there's like a lot of rings parodies going on especially Conan the barbarian like the whole barbarian thing blah 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 and uh, the, the voice actors do what they can but it's in, in its at its core it's such a conventional story of ov the underdog trying to you know it's 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 the how to train your dragon mm -hmm. story basically yeah where it's like the, the wimp and he has to prove himself blah 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 and it's very it's incredibly conventional and oh there's the, the there's a badass chick who uh, uh falls in love with him uh, despite himself and there's the here's the uh, co comedic sidekick who uh, like one of them is just always like seems to be spaced out and slightly homoerotic and the other one is just thinking about sex all the time and here's the amazonian scene 
it's uh yeah it's it, it's it's not it's not deep in any way and of course like of the bad guys all look like i don't know like like people from a bdsm dungeon who flag themselves it's 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 ridiculous <laughs> that's one of those examples where it's like ju just because it's animated and they do adult jokes that alone just can't carry a movie <laughs> yeah the, um the novelty wears mm -hmm. off very quickly i don't entirely have a problem with movies that are dumb for being dumb sake mm -hmm. or having a very stupid sense of humor there's like a lot of movies that are like that are like that that are totally like guilty pleasures for certain people but um i think when it comes to animated shock comedy i think the problem is that it's shocking in a way that's been done millions of times before like with the example you just brought up it's very frat boy humor yes and people don't like listen to the shit frat boys say and be like whoa oh my god they're like oh my god he's a frat boy just just deal with it you know yeah yeah it's funny because and that's that's a hurdle i still have to get over in terms of animation because um when i see something animated that also ties into something we we uh we're gonna talk about in a few minutes whenever i see something animated and it features like very over-the-top violence or very over-the-top sexual themes it doesn't come across as more adult. It actually comes across as way more juvenile and childish to me, funnily enough, because they just, they, they feel, it, it feels like they need, they want to push it so hard just because, oh, it's animated, but we can do this because, you know, it, it, it's, it's not going to be intended for kids. And, and that's, that's still a hurdle I have to get over because I always have that thought in my mind, ah, but, but this just feels childish to me now. It, it doesn't feel very... Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't feel adult, funnily enough, even though it's it's meant to be for adults. And also something like you know, let, let's take a comedy like Super Bad, which is like full of raunchy mm -hmm. humor and very like uh, very stupid humor too. But there's still something going on in terms of story and characters. You know, in, in, at its core, it, it tells the story of his friendship, which is almost breaking apart. And then they actually, you know, they, they grow up doing the movie and they, they become uh, yeah. proper adults by the end of it. So there's still mm -hmm. something which grounds it in a way, story-wise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I wish um, there were more of these movies and cartoons that did have at least one element to ground it into something relatable. But I also have another pet peeve with... Mm. Um, the animation community that I'd like to address and it's when um, people bring up adult animation and they say we want adult animation that doesn't have sex or gore we want less of that and I'm on the fence because I know what they're talking about they're talking about the, the immature stuff that is nothing but sexual humor and gore being used for humor Yeah, but but if there's adult films that can have sex and gore in a way that's relevant to the themes or to have a really introspective narrative, then animated films should too. And there's plenty of animated films that have sex and gore, but they're still very mature and worth your time. Like, for example, Anomalisa. That movie has a sex scene in it and 
most of it is about a lonely man's attraction to this girl he likes. Those sexual themes are used to understand his inner dilemma or that he feels like the entire world just blends together and that he doesn't really connect with anybody except for this one girl that he ends up having sex with, you know? Mm. Um, or like Felidae, which is, is nowhere as deep as Anomalisa. I'm just gonna say that right now. But I really love it because it's a rare is instance of gore in animation actually being used for horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's not a joke. When you see that decapitated cat on the ground, you're like, oh my god! And, and like, that's the point. It's terrifying. It's used to heighten the stakes or to, like, truly sell how brutal um, the situation in, the, in this movie is. Felidae yeah. feels like the, the kind of, like, German watership down in a way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I feel like the problem isn't just sex and gore being an animation itself. I feel like when people just highlight that, they're kind of missing the point. The problem is that sex and violence isn't being used in a way that's interesting. Yeah, it's just used for the sake of it in those cases. Like, for example, with live-action films. Maybe Game of Thrones fits into that? I guess. I mean, obviously, I don't respect Game of Thrones anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that is a live-action piece of media that uses sex, and and we used to respect it. Um, we, <laughs> we treated it like it was normal, like, yeah, that fits within the themes and tone of the plot that, that it's going for. Whereas you have a movie like maybe American Pie or something, or like a, Se- a Seth Rogen comedy, <laughs> where you just see, like, the sexual jokes or, like, Uh, or sex happening on screen or like dick jokes and you're just like yeah okay you know it's for teenagers dumb teenagers oh yeah um or like with i don't know if i could do a gore example because even when gore is used for something dumb i tend to like it (laughs) oh yeah yeah i mean like like, yeah i i I tend to like gore more when it's when it's like more over the top and it kind of like unrealistic sometimes like my for example my, my mother isn't very like it's a little bit of it's a little bit screamish when it when it comes to movie violence. But I watched Django Unchained with her, and that that shootout in the mansion, she she fell off the couch laughing her ass off. <laughs> yeah, maybe like the thing. Oh yeah, that's 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 a, a an adult movie with a lot of gore, but people treat it really seriously and analyze the themes of it, like they, like they would with any other movie. So the point I'm just trying to say is that there should be animated films that are the same way, where there is sex and violence, but it's, but we can respect it because it's made for adults and it interweaves with the tone it's going for and the themes it's establishing. Yeah, you have and you have that stuff in um, sometimes like in animated music videos. You have on YouTube, you have like tons of very, very interesting short films, like some from pros and some from mm-hmm. uh, people who are still learning or amateurs or whatever. And I've, I've seen stuff on there, which is like incredibly, incredibly creepy and creative. And also it can be gory. Um, uh, funnily enough, in our TV discussion, we forgot to mention South Park, which is certainly <laughs> um, much more adult-oriented, but a lot of teenagers like it too. And from that came Team America World Police, which is kind of out of a box because it's a 
you know, an anim like like a, a marionette puppet movie, which is also something very rare. And we in, in, in Germany, especially, there's a, uh, it's called Augsburger Puppenkiste, which is uh, basically like a, a marionette uh, puppet brand where they mm. uh, adapted tons of uh, different stories or books or even told um, original stories um, in, in that uh, like uh, marionette form for kids. And that, that was intended for kids. And uh, because so it, it, it's and it's very, very ingrained in German culture, certainly. It, it's still not the norm. Like there was this other movie, um, that marionette puppet movie, like a, a few years later, uh, which was called Strings. And I mentioned it in my uh, track swap podcast because I like the music so much. And that is that is a movie which also had, like it's a very early uh, voice role for James uh, McAvoy. I think it was before he got mm. famous. And uh, certain other people uh, are in it too. Uh, you, you might know and recognize. And that's basically like a, a, a Hamlet esque story, but with marionette puppets. And they know that they are puppets. Basically, like a theme is that they are marionette puppets who. You know whose whose lives are controlled by strings, and it's 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 an interesting abstract movie. Um, it's it's not quite animation, you know, but it, it certainly it's mm-hmm. it, it strives around it a little bit, and those those are definitely some uh, some examples which are outside of the box. And another movie I would like to mention is a movie made by an animator who was involved in Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King, Shane Acker. Mm-hmm. He produced mm-hmm. a, a 3D animated short film, which was nominated for an Oscar, and then they made a feature-length version of it, and it was called Number Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which came out in 2009, <laughs> funnily enough, and uh, produced by Tim Burton. I mean, they used his name uh, a big time, and it was also a good cast: Leisure Wood, Jennifer Connelly, Christopher Plummer, etc. Uh, Chris McGlover again. And it's a, a I, I really thought it was really, really fascinating, but it's also something that stumbles in terms of basic story. Yeah, I have the same feelings towards it as I do with Legend of the Guardians, where it's visually stunning. Hmm. I love the aesthetic and it definitely has a, a fascinating world that it puts you in. But the characters themselves are just kind of uh, meh, you know? Mm. I guess that the approach it has is kind of justified because they reveal later that um, each of the dolls are... Uh, spoilers, by the way. Um, <laughs> e- each of the dolls are a divided part of the inventor's soul. So I guess you could say, like, oh, they're the singular personality traits of that guy. But at the same time, it, it's just not yeah. very compelling. The only character I found really compelling was one, because I, I feel like even though he's an asshole, he had like an arc. I, I feel like it did inspire me in some way with a lot of the designs of the robots, especially. Oh, so I, creepy. I love, yeah, I love the robots in that film, and I, I love the idea of Stitch pun- Punks. That's the yeah. name people Stitch use punk. to describe exactly. the little dolls. But other than that, it's not a film I can fully un- enjoy on every level. Yeah, yeah, it certainly has, yeah. has problems in that regard. But it's still, I, I find it interesting also in terms of like it's... I think it was successful for what it was. Like it certainly made its money back. But I think that was just based on 
maybe the release and people were intrigued by oh what's this and uh, Tim Burton's name behind it um yeah but it's 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 certainly an an interesting anomaly and the the, the thing which which kind of uh, kicked off this whole discussion actually to, to kind of bring it to a close was because adult animation nowadays has found its way back into mainstream uh, at least partially and that's thanks to Netflix because of their series Love, Death and Robots which I know you were familiar with but you hadn't seen anything of it yet so I sent you a couple of my r- personal recommendations to, to kind of have a, um, a, a talking point for this show even though we have uh, plenty of talking points already but this is certainly something that brought the discussion back in our modern uh, Twitter world in terms of oh mm-hmm. this is this is really cool this anthology thing of these uh, different shorts from different people around the world with different animation styles and it's certainly something that caught on and a lot of people really really enjoyed I, I personally I, I enjoyed season one even though not every episode I really disliked season two which just felt incomplete and weird and only like one or two things which I kind of enjoyed and I thought season three was a lot stronger again and um, yeah w- what did you think of that? Uh, I really enjoyed it um, just from the episodes you recommended to me. I- I'm really glad that this exists because I can't really think of any other show like it. It feels it doesn't feel like there's any other anthology animated series that that's out right now especially one that's that's meant for adults yeah the, the only and, thing which comes to mind which wasn't the past was the animatrix uh yeah but i mean to have a whole show like that mm-hmm. and to have a different animation style every time like just the idea that any production company would green light it that that's so impressive especially in like this day and age yeah yeah and certainly like um making like like I, I think like distributing certain people which were just i think that like netflix might have just bought certain shorts and not produced it uh, themselves and maybe mm. let's just help finishing them or whatever i'm not quite sure what the process was and it was originated by tim miller and david fincher who uh, back in the day wanted to do a 3d adult movie a comic book adaptation of the goon which certainly has a fan base funnily enough you can see a goon like like comic book thingy in super bad in the background mm. <laughs> bring it back to that movie briefly everything is connected here um and that they, they did a really funny promo video for it and it was supposed to be like a kickstarter thing or whatever and it absolutely flopped like like it, it didn't came into fruition uh, even though mm. the animation tests they did looked certainly fun and interesting it, it had that kind of like um an evil, evil dead uh, sort of tone uh, in a fun way but um, it uh, this came into fruition. Love, Death, and Robot did uh, because of Blur Studios, which is really it's, it's a studio with a fascinating history. They do a lot of um, uh, video game cinematics and trailers. They did the the, the space shots for uh, James Cameron's Avatar, and mm-hmm. they did the infamous uh, Deadpool test footage. Uh, which was also done by Tim Miller. So, and he then directed the first Deadpool. So he certainly has a history and he's a pro when it comes to effects and all of that. And um, it, it certainly is a, a really, really interesting history with that studio and how this um, anthology series came uh, into being. And I really thought it was refreshing watching uh, different types of animation with adult themes. Some of it even like uh, much more approachable. Like, like some of it is kind of like okay kids 
could watch this like like there's there's nothing too too horrible going on here uh, but but it totally mm -hmm. depends of course and yeah certainly i had certain favorites and it even features david fincher's uh, animation uh, de debut which was uh, bad mm -hmm. traveling a wonderfully uh, creepy horror story on a ship with a monster which i thought like from from beginning to end i thought worked really well as an atmospheric uh creepy character piece and i feel exactly the same way because that was my favorite of the ones you recommended to me um mostly because i i love david fincher he's one of my favorite directors and you can definitely feel his style all over it yeah um and also um you know, as I said before, I'm a sucker for gore, and I also love the, the, the giant crab. I, I just love monsters in animation, so I, I, you know, and the story itself is like, it's simple, but it's, it's still really tragic um, with how that guy had to kill everybody um, one by one. So it's disturbing, but there was like an element of emotion going on there, or yeah. like themes of not knowing when to stop or like hubris yeah it's, it's it's a great it's a great thing and also i think it's it's part of a um a, a book cycle of some sort which goes much deeper into the world and you can certainly feel you you can feel an element of world building in that short you can kind of get a grasp of what kind of world this is they live in uh, you you can quickly figure out uh, even like by the way just simple things like the ship is designed or it's like, okay this is not our world this is definitely mm -hmm. something else and that it, the movie is just so well done and that's the that's a wonderful thing about animation too where it's just like you can just you know invent anything and uh, can can get away with certain designs and shots and all of that you can get so creative live action movies just can't or at least some of them can't because ironically enough a lot of live action movies get very close to being animated movies now with something like um warcraft or, or uh, certain marvel movies where we just you know they, they move around and very very out their worlds uh, literally and uh, fighting uh, CGI creatures and all of that, and even like some of the main characters being CGI's, it certainly moves into that direction where a lot of modern day blockbusters are hybrids, basically. Mm hmm. Uh, definitely. I, I think it's kind of ironic um, how little animators are respected or how much animation is looked down upon, even though, like, the majority of mainstream blockbusters. Um, depend heavily on animation. They like live and die off of it. Yeah, I I yeah. think you I you must have seen the, the the documentation on YouTube Life After Pi. A after Pi, what? A Life After Pi. It's it's a documentation about the uh, the, the the animation uh, studio which did uh, the effects for Life of Pi and also um, uh, what is Snow White and the Huntsman, uh, like like an effects mm. house, um, and they very like like while the, the basically the, the academy awards campaign for life of pi was going on they went bankrupt oh i i have heard of that i just haven't seen the documentary yeah it, it's really it's it's a good watch you really should check it out it's it's eye-opening in a lot of ways and and really applies to what is going on nowadays in the in the industry as well and that 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 really shows how much animators do and how little they are respected among the craft of, of Hollywood in general. Yeah, absolutely. 
I really hope that the outcome for New Deal for Animation really changes that. Yeah, it, it certainly yeah. it certainly should because they are so dependent on the stuff they do, and it, it really uh, it's it's that's a whole other discussion. But it's certainly something that that is worth um, and talking about extensively in terms of uh, what what people are going through, um, what what people are paid, what is required, and. Uh, what kind of deadlines we have to work with and that's also the reason why people post like wonky shots from marvel movies and that's that's the reason why those shots exist yeah what's really been infuriate infuriating me um is how marvel fans have been reacting um to special effects animators wanting better treatment and payment so like a lot of them have been wanting to go on strike or delay marvel projects and there have been like mcu fans who have been like what you can't delay the movie i need to, that movie my life depends on that movie yeah, what, what am i gonna do if there isn't a marvel movie that summer i'm going to kill myself you know which is really ironic because i think there are way too many marvel products out every day i think we really should slow down <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens when you're owned by Disney. You gotta bring out the content. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just content now. And I mean, I love the ex mm -hmm. I love the MCU. I really love it, and and I like the stuff I do with the shows nowadays too. But it's like it, it's too much. Like, like three or four shows, mm -hmm. and then like three or four movies per year is way too much because you can't. You don't have any time to let everybody anything sink in. Like Moon Knight barely finished, and now it's Mrs. Marvel. You know, it's just uh, and then in between Doctor Strange two. You know, it's just it, it's work now. Like when you want to keep up with that, it's they, they demand too much in, in terms of and it's it's nice. You know, like oh have this and have that, and you know it's it's certainly creative and fun. But I really wished they would release fewer projects per year because it would also give them the time to properly develop everything. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, that's also like a side effect of um, hype around streaming because now you have TV shows being put out all at once instead of once every week. So like, you know, with these Marvel shows, they just kind of come and go. And then <laughs> nobody remembers them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's oh god. But um, speaking speaking of shows which will be remembered, actually, and was one of the best the best thing I've seen last year was also Netflix's Arcane League of Legends. Yeah, um, I would say that's the best animated thing in general that came out last year. I think I would agree. It's so fantastic and it encapsulates everything which can be great about animation which isn't strictly for kids. Because it's certainly something, oh, teenagers could watch it, but certainly not kids. And it's definitely meant for like an, uh, a more adult audience. It's the, the animation is not creepy, it's, it's highly stylized and has a great uh, sense of originality. Where it's like I've never seen in like, like a full-blown animated show looking like this. It's really interesting style it has um uh, great uses of violence it, it, it barely uses any like uh, nudity or sex or whatever it's not even like a big part of a story and it 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 is about the characters first and foremost and the world itself and how they tell the story how they use animation to tell that story when you have like one fight scene which is basically a music video 
and mm-hmm. uh, which kind of like sticks out but in a good way where it's like oh wow they, they, they just thought of it and they and still in that sequence they tell something about the character's backstory <laughs> it's it's absolutely incredible what they do with that show and and it it encapsulates everything which can be great about this kind of animation yeah absolutely and what i really like about it is that it uses its mature rating to be like emotionally raw <laughs> like <laughs> like there's genuine parts of that of it where the characters go through really we- real trauma and like re- react realistically and there's a lot of gut punches there's a lot of um cartoons meant for children that i watch that are definitely emotional and um have characters go through some like seriously serious emotional turmoil Mm -hmm. but there's still always that restriction like it can never be too traumatic or it can never be like too fucked up because of course you know kids yeah something like frozen comes to mind i I don't care much for frozen but um but yeah arcane is able to go all the way with that it has a, a young child accidentally murdering her friends and her father figure there's themes of slavery and corruption, and there are sexual um, instances. You have gray characters, like like nobody yeah. is like morally gray. Yeah, yeah, essentially evil. Like even like the the, the the characters which kind of are villains, you they they give them motivation, you give them drive, you give them uh, emotions which uh, are human. Uh, it's it's it, which makes them all the more compelling. It's 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 kind of like what they did with certain characters in Game of Thrones, certainly, and it's it just works so incredibly well. Where you just like to watch every single character. That that's what I mean. Like there there's always a scene given to almost every character where where they're allowed to be emotionally vulnerable. Emotionally vulnerable in a way that's distressing. Uh, sometimes disturbing and sometimes just really saddening. Yeah. And yeah. like, like you see characters having breakdowns, like full-on mental breakdowns and crying, and like it's stunning to see, and it really engages you with the depth of who they are and like what's going through their heads. Yeah, from the very first scene on, just such a great introduction, and it never lets you down in terms of that. It always just just mm-hmm. delivers uh, so well, and has a few uh, gut punches ready. And it's yeah, it's a perfect example of what this kind of animation can do. And in, enough people loved it, where it certainly made waves. And I can't believe that at some awards show it, it lost against What If. <sighs> yeah, that's that's the dumbest shit that but- ever happened. That's like, in the like, history of the world. That's like one of the biggest, that's like um, crash levels of what were you yeah. thinking? Or, or something like, you know, um, or, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody winning best editing. Mm. I, I haven't seen What If, um, so maybe I don't really have a right to trash it, but like, I know for a fact that What If doesn't have the same level of, of acclaim as Arcane does. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Not in terms of story and certainly not in terms of animation. The animation is the weakest part about it. It's a shame. It's it's really a shame because, my God, like, like Arcane has spoiled me forever in terms of how these things can look and feel. Uh, it's it's. Um, I'm looking forward, like, like talking about they announced the second season. I will be the opening day. It's, uh, <laughs> it's 
wow and and the, the, the score was also among my my it was my top three of last year uh, i talked about it on on track swap if you want to check it out dear listeners it's it's a it's a wonderful score they, they use the songs very well it's just their own world and the funny thing is i mean it's it's uh, connected to an ip but that doesn't matter it's so it stands so well on its own you don't have to know anything i think most people don't like some people don't even know it's it might be based on uh, like like video game characters because mm-hmm. it's just it tells the story so well it establishes the world so well and it doesn't establish it in a way where it's like oh it's tons of exposition it just gradually introduces the world while the story is going on oh uh, yeah I will probably never play League of Legends in my life. Mm. I'm certain of that, but I mean, like, even I was really sucked into the story, and they fully introduced the world in a way that any viewer could understand. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like they, they treated it as let's 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 pretend nobody knows anything about this, and it works so well because of it. And there's certainly and moments which I recognized, oh, this is supposed to be kind of like, oh, this is a nod to this of the games, and this is kind of like a fan-pleaser moment or whatever, if this is an Easter egg and all of it, but that never d- uh, distracts from anything. Uh, yeah. Because um, it's woven in so well into the story. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it speaks to the level of quality it has when um, even people who who've never played a video game and have no idea about the lore... Are, are excited about it and like go and running off to tell their friends like oh my god you have to watch this this is something which happened because i i just saw i don't know like this this um with this picture on netflix with like okay in league of legends oh yeah league of legends i've seen like some trailer cinematics of that which are kind of cool but this one i, like, I don't know and then i accidentally let it play like like one of those like um uh, kind of like a teaser uh, clips they do on, on Netflix. I accidentally mm-hmm. left it on too long and then I let it play a little and I was like, oh, this animation looks really interesting. And then I gave it a watch and I was hooked from the, the first scene on and then I told my little brother um, who's uh, who's 14 now and, and told him like, dude, you have to watch this. And then he was, uh, and he went, okay, well, I don't know. And then after he watched episode three, he, uh, he wrote to me, well, I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> same yeah that's Um, that's the power of of that kind of stuff it definitely impacted uh, my sister a lot (laughs) because after like she was like lol i'm gonna watch arcane um i'm gonna watch the league of legends show (laughs) i I can't wait for this to be cringe and then three (laughs) episodes in she was like morgan and i'm like yes you have to watch Arcane with me. And I'm like, okay. Um, when you want to do it? Now! <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then we watched it together, and then I'm like, shit! I understand now. I understand why she reacted that way, because if I watched it first, I would do the same thing to her. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that was a story with a lot of people. And mm-hmm. it's 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 incredible, and uh, it's 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 something we definitely recommend as a great example of animation for adults. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it's one of the best out there. Yeah, and I mean we've we've given a lot of recommendations, also some things which we don't quite recommend, and some things certainly a lot of people are familiar with, but some people, you know, some people maybe don't know, and now you have a lot of stuff because now it certainly is time to end this episode i am afraid uh morgan let me tell you it was an absolute joy having you as a guest uh do you want to plug maybe something where can people find you and are you doing something uh, people might might be thinking oh yeah let's let's check this out or whatever well as i said before i have a twitter account and my name is mrs mo um and i also have a letterbox account with the same handle ah. um yeah i don't really do really in-depth in reviews if that's what you're expecting and i'm sorry i'm too tired for that but you know i do a lot of rankings of like my favorite movie i watched this year or like my favorite movies in general so you know if you want to if you want to check that out that's cool by me <laughs> certainly yeah now people have all the information um I'm uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt. This podcast, uh, Fans About Films, you can find on SoundCloud and iTunes. I host TrackSwap on sideshowsoundtheater.com. Uh, great boys and girls over there. I had a lot of great guests already, and uh, I hope to get more if you're interested in film music. I co-host It's 90s Christmas Podcast with Lyle Perez. Uh, I hope we will be back soon. The break is still going at the moment. I am, have a YouTube uh, channel called The Deppert. I write... German score reviews for scoregeek.wordpress.com I'm on the Telestammtisch where we watch all the new releases if you are speaking German by any chance and also a shout out to Will Haddad who uh, composed the intro music, the new intro music for this very show you just heard, thank you very much Will your work is awesome and uh, I think uh, that's about it where you can find me and uh, Morgan too well Morgan it has been an absolute pleasure and I hope we can soon do this again uh, on another topic we might be interested in yeah um, I hope so too it was it was lovely to be here I enjoyed talking with you and uh, you know I'm I'm very much free most yeah. of the time you know yeah oh yeah Absolutely. Let's see where the road takes us. And you, dear listeners, now you have enough recommendations. What is your opinion on adult animation and what kind of, you know, exposure did you have already? And uh, how many of the uh, movies and shows we mentioned do you know? I don't know. Comment maybe or start a Twitter discourse, whatever. Uh, there's certainly not enough out there. Ha ha ha. And uh, also um, go watch that uh, really, really informative documentary, Life After Pi. It will certainly open your eyes about a lot of stuff. But let's end on a high note and let's say thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Morgan. And we say goodbye and good night. Goodbye. Uh, good night. <laughs>